The Dems call for war. A new justice is coming. The top picks are great. Let's talk a little bit about this uh, Supreme Court fight we're going to end up having. And then let's take a look at some of the history because this is not the first time stuff like this has happened before. And of all the contentiousness that was caused, it had nothing to do with the Republicans. It was always the Democrats. And finally, two top picks that Trump has. I already think I know who it's going to be, but the but there are the top two pretty damn good. Let's take a look at them. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. So, hey there, it's Gene. So we talked about um, last uh, yesterday. We talked about the the loss of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And um, things are going to get really hot really fast. Uh, Riots have already started. Um, Politicians are already making threats. The media is already making threats. It's all getting worse. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the brain trust of the left, she is really talking a lot. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see, but it's coming. And there's nothing anyone can do to it. President Trump said he would nominate a Supreme Court pick on Friday or Saturday and has five women under consideration as Senate Republicans line up behind him and the majority leader, Mitch McConnell. Um, They rejected Democrats' calls to let the winner of the presidential election make a pick, which, here's a newsflash, they should. I don't think that's a big deal. He said that He would wait until the end of the week out of respect for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. He didn't want to do it right after she had died. Um, But he would nominate one, and it would be a quick appointment. Uh, It would get through the Senate, and it would be over. He told Fox & Friends on Monday, uh, We won the election. Elections Elections have consequences. We have plenty of time. Um, President Trump's absolutely correct. Here's the thing. Trump is president for four years and not three and a half. He's expected to do what the voters expect him to do and fight for it. That's what he's doing. One of the things his voters expect him is to place judges, including Supreme Court judges. This is going to be the same for Mitch McConnell. Why do you think these guys aren't listening to him? Well, the left says, well, it's hypocritical, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about that already. But the voters also expect things. The voters also expect. Trump's voters are going to turn on Trump if he doesn't fight for this. So we trust them to do the right things. We trust that they will fight for those right things. There's a reason uh, he has been, there's a reason that McConnell has been in the Senate for a thousand years because he will always do the right thing. What he did in 2015 with Merrick Garland and is doing right now is not hypocrisy. Now, if you don't remember, Merrick Garland was Obama's pick about three months before the uh, Trump-Clinton election, and McConnell refused to hear, uh, refused to bring the vote for Merrick Garland to the floor. And then what ended up happening, Trump picked Neil Gorsuch. So is it hypocritical that McConnell says, oh no, we're going to push this guy through or gal through a Trump pick? No, it's not hypocritical. It's politics. That's all it is. 
The Senate, the Senate majority leader does not need to bring anything to a vote. He does not have to. Unlike a lot of Republicans, McConnell is following the law and fighting politically, which Republicans just flat out don't do. And it's kind of disgusting that they don't do that. McConnell is not disgusting for doing something that, you know, seems the opposite of what he did four years ago. I really could care less. Do you know why we know he is following the law? People are threatening his life and are rioting over this whole thing. The um, politicians and the media are threatening and pushing rioting. The Supreme Court justice that Trump picks is going to get conformed. <coughs> the left knows it, and the left is already flipping out about it. Now, one of the things people have to realize, the Democrats have been actually going after Republican-appointed Supreme Court nominees for about 20 years. Probably a little longer than 20 years. No, no, I'm sorry. 40, no, let's see, 80s? So what is that? 40 years. This isn't something that's new. The Democrats are screaming that this is hypocrisy and outrage and the end of democracy and whatever. The Wall Street Journal said that the confirmation of Supreme Court ran into issues with Democrats, you know, 40 years ago. So let's look at some of the things the Democrats have done in the last 40 years. In 1987, Robert Bork was a qualified nominee for the Supreme Court. Then Ted Kennedy, a drunk sexist murderer, called Bork a murderer who would force women back uh, into back alley abortions and would make blacks sit in segregated lunch counters. Those are quotes. Robert Bork was not confirmed because of the bullshit that the Democrats brought up. As a matter of fact, there's a term used today for Supreme Court justices who are being just basically embarrassed into losing their their um, their seat. It's called being borked. This is when a justice is actually undermined and loses his seat. Clarence Thomas, the second point, Clarence Thomas, the day before his confirmation vote, was accused of sexual harassment by Anita Hill. This guy was a judge for about 20 years and no one said a word. And it seems that it was actually Anita Hill who was actually sexually harassing him. He didn't put up with it and he fought the accusations. And therefore, he is sitting on the Supreme Court today. Listen. Committee will please come to order. Judge, it's a tough day and tough night for you, I know. Let me uh, ask, do you have anything you'd like to say before we begin? I understand that uh, your preference is, uh, which is totally and completely understandable, that we go one hour tonight, 30 minutes on each side. Is, am I correct in that? That's right. Do you have anything you'd like to say? Senator, I would like to start by saying unequivocally, uncategorically, that I deny each and every single allegation against me today that suggested in any way that I had conversations of a sexual nature or about pornographic material with Anita Hill, that I ever attempted to date her, that I ever had any personal 
sexual interest in her or that I in any way ever harassed her. A second and I think more important point, I think that this today is a travesty. I think that it is disgusting. I think that this hearing should never occur in America. This is a case in which this sleaze, this dirt, was searched for by staffers of members of this committee, was then leaked to the media, and this committee and this body validated it and displayed it at prime time over our entire nation. How would any member on this committee, any person in this room, or any person in this country would like sleaze said about him or her in this fashion, or this dirt dredged up in this gossip and these lies displayed in this manner? How would any person like it? The Supreme Court is not worth it. No job is worth it. I'm not here for that. I'm here for my name, my family, my life, and my integrity. I think something is dreadfully wrong with this country when any person, any person in this free country would be subjected to this. This is not a closed room. There was an FBI investigation. This is not an opportunity to talk about difficult matters privately or in a closed environment. This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. And from my standpoint, as a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves, to do for themselves, to have different ideas. And it is a message that unless you kowtow to an old order, this is what will happen to you. You will be lynched, destroyed, caricatured by a committee of the U.S. U.S. Senate rather than hung from a tree. So did you hear anything familiar in his speech from 1987? Does it sound like, like the when Donald Trump answered accusations about him and Russia and the hooker or whatever it was? Um yeah, it does. This should never happen to someone else. This should never happen to another president. Does it sound like something else? How about Brett Kavanaugh? Yeah, it's disgusting. I had to play the entire clip. By the way, that was his entire statement. Basically telling all these people, you guys are full of shit, you set me up, you suck. That's that's what happened. And I remember that hearing. I remember seeing it. And you got to remember something. There wasn't 24-hour news back then. Right? There wasn't 24-hour news. So that was played at in the prime time so that everyone could see it. Because they were trying to ruin this man's life. That's what it was. Because he was a conservative Supreme Court justice. And by the way, Anita Hill, everything was proven what she did was wrong. Everything she said was wrong. Anita Hill 
was following Clarence Thomas from place to place to place when Clarence Thomas was a judge. He never asked her anything. This was proven. But no one cares. I mean, they made a movie about Anita Hill. Kind of disgusting. By the way, Clarence Thomas is black. So apparently, race is not an issue with the Democrats. It's the philosophy that's the issue. Wait till Trump selects Amy Comey Barron or Barbara Lagoa. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do. So let's continue. Samuel Alito was accused of being a sexist and a racist because of some fraternity he belonged to in Princeton. Really? A fraternity again. Does that sound familiar? Um, we won't even talk about the serial rapist, gang rapist, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, because you probably know pretty much all about that. Democrats have also filibustered and blocked the appellate uh, nominees by Republican presidents, such as Miguel Estrada. There was even a comment about Miguel Estrada being Hispanic and he couldn't be an appellate court judge. I, yeah, no, I don't know either. Priscilla Owen, Janice Rogers Brown. By the way, now two women and a Hispanic? Wow, those guys are real diverse, huh? The Democrats are real diverse. Janice Rogers Brown, Charles Pickering Sr., Henry Saad, Carolyn Cool, William Pryor, David McKeague, Richard Griffin, William Myers, among others. These are just a few. Now, Donald Trump has put in something like 300 appellate court justices and district court justices. Interesting. Those are just the few that didn't go because of a filibuster. This is unheard of. The Democrats never had this problem getting judges through. Their biggest problem getting judges through is they don't appoint them fast enough. Trump has appointed twice the judges Obama has. Every one of Obama's judges got pushed through. I think there may have been two or three that didn't make it because they had something wrong in their history. But they all got pushed through. Democrat In 2013, Democrat rewrote, rewrote the rules of the Senate uh, in mid-Congress on, on a party-line vote to add three seats to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals in Washington, D.C., the highest court in the land outside of the Supreme Court. Their goal was to stack the court with liberals so that they could, Barack Obama could sit back and push through all his pen and phone orders, which is what he said he would do as a president. He wasn't going to go through Congress. He was going to write executive orders left and right, and that's what he did. None of this stuff happened to Democratic appointees. Elena Kagan who is far left, got 60% of the Senate votes. Sonia Sotomayor, who is far left, got 63% of the Senate votes. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is far left, won the vote 93 to 3. Now, why did these three win by that far? Because they were good Supreme Courts. Uh, Supreme Court jurists. There's no reason why they shouldn't have. Just like Brett Kavanaugh should not have had a problem. Neil Gorsuch should not have had a problem. Sam Alito should not have had a problem. Clarence Thomas should not have had a problem, but they all did. 
and it was all party vote because the Democrats are there to do something. They've got an idea. Is it a surprise now that Democrats have really no options? They have no options here. Trump is going to give a um, is going to give a candidate for the Supreme Court. That candidate is going to get approved by the Senate. There's nothing Democrats can do. That the Democrats are now threatening violence. Here's the thing, and we talked about the violence on yesterday's podcast. I don't want to do it again. Here's the thing. I mean, AOC, who now is really coming out of the woodwork. She was quiet for a very long time. Suddenly, she's talking a lot. AOC is really pushing things. The thing is, we can't assume that the Democrats have any good intentions. We have to assume that they want to tear our government apart and rebuild it so that there is no oversight. They can do whatever they want. The Democrats have been using the Supreme Court as another legislative arm. So you've got the Senate, the House, and you've got the the Supreme Court. Look at gay marriage. Gay marriage was ruled on by the um, Supreme Court. The Supreme Court had no business ruling on that. That's a state's right thing. And if Congress wanted to make a law legalizing gay marriage, Congress should have made a law legalizing gay marriage. And by the way, that's an overstep. The federal government has no right to legalize any of that. That's a state-by-state option. And so here's what I think. The left is trying to destroy the government. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to destroy it. They're trying to take power. You don't believe me? Do you think it's a coincidence that it's Democrats that want to push mail-in balloting and get rid of vote-in-person balloting? Eliminate the Electoral College? They don't want any voter ID? They want to allow 16-year-olds to vote? They want to allow criminals to vote? They want to pack the Supreme Court and the appellate courts? By the way, that's not as easy as it sounds. They want to end the filibuster? They did end the filibuster. They want to add states to the union? They want to add Puerto Rico and Guam to the union? And Washington, D.C., which are all leftist areas, supposedly. We don't know where Puerto Rico is or where um, Guam is, though they have uh, Democratic governors. They want, they've been impeaching. They're threatening to impeach the president now. And by the way, I don't think they're really threatening to impeach. I just think it's something they're thinking about. They refuse to condemn the rioting by domestic terrorist groups like Antifa and BLM. And they actually are encouraging it now. Openly encouraging it. So why should Republicans not man up and just go out and nominate someone? They've got to protect. The Republicans have been kind of pussies for years now. They've never fought back. Trump, who's going to get reelected in November. I don't think any of this is going to make any difference on November. Well, I say third, but probably November, uh, what's 14? November 17th is when we're going to find out who the president is. But I don't think it's going to make any difference. And by the way, because he fights. He fights. And he wants us to be a country. You know, hey, if President Trump was actually a fascist, would he actually throw to Supreme Court uh, jurists 
And one, the next one is going to be more of a textualist into the Supreme Court that says, you can tell me when I can't do something and when I can? No, he wouldn't do that. He'd throw in a Ruth Bader Ginsburg or a Sonia Sotomayor or a, um, uh, a Kagan into the Supreme Court where they'll say, no, that's great because that's what the left wants and we should do that. He doesn't do that. He picks people who follow the Constitution, more or less. John, uh, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh so far have not been real pro-Trump jurists, right, so far. I haven't seen it. And by the way, you know what? The left wants to throw absolute hissy fits about shit. That's fine. Go for it. Let's start a war. Go for a war. By the way, that's what they're calling for. Just look it up on Twitter. It's not rocket science. You guys want to go to war? Well, here's a good thing. People like me believe in the Second Amendment. Guess what? We're armed. So you guys aren't. And we probably already know how to shoot. So go ahead. Start a war. Go ahead and threaten. It's really disgusting. And we're probably going to go through this again later. Um, especially later this week when um, he actually does make a pick. And I, I got a feeling it's going to be on Friday. So we'll see. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll see what kind of weirdness is going to happen. We already are seeing riots. We're already seeing protests. They're standing outside Mitch McConnell's house and Mitch McConnell's not there. So it's already starting. But it's going to get a lot worse. Hopefully nobody gets killed. But I'm not betting anything on it. So let's talk about the two top picks for the Supreme Court. Um, uh, the top candidate right now is Amy Coney Barrett, but she is closely followed by another judge called Barbara Lagoa. It both are good. Um, I think we might get a surprise and Lagoa will be picked over Barrett, but Barrett was the second to Brett Kavanaugh. So... It's going to be kind of... I will not be shocked if either is picked. Um, Lagoa is definitely a solid pick. And in some ways, I think she's more of a solid pick than Barrett. Though you've probably heard a lot more of Barrett than Lagoa. Um, but I do have to admit, until I started doing this podcast, I didn't know much about Lagoa until I read about her history for this podcast. And I gotta say... I got some, there's some advantages to having Lagoa on the court. Now, let's let's get one thing right off the bat. I don't think, if you're a textualist, you believe in precedent and things like this. Kavanaugh believes in precedent. Gorsuch believes in precedent. Um, Alito, even Alito believes in precedent. The one who doesn't believe in precedent, he actually looks at bad law, is Clarence Thomas. And Anton Scalia believed in looking at the law. For example, Roe versus Wade was just a shitty law. There was no question about it. They basically said, and Roe versus Wade basically said, is there's no evidence that a child is a child at conception, and therefore this falls into a, a, pay, a woman's privacy issue. That's why the Roe versus Wade, the, the left is so scared that Roe versus Wade is going to get overturned. Because it actually is a really bad, it is a really bad law. Very bad precedent. Um, the reality is we already knew that a baby was a baby 
in about 1979, we had test tube babies, we had DNA, we traced the genome. We knew in 1979, between 1979 and 1981, we were able to prove that a baby is a baby at conception, that it is a completely separate human being. Even the, even the segmentation of the cell, the ova, ovum, when the sperm hit it, it became a different human being based on DNA. So an ovum, which is basically a segmenting cell, already had um, DNA of the mother and DNA of the father, but the, not the DNA of, of both. So when they say it's a right to privacy or a right to, um, a right to choose, no, because that ovum is no longer a separate kid. And we've proven that through test tube babies by taking an ovum and actually separating it outside of the mother. An ovum needs a mother to grow into a baby, but it doesn't need the same mother to grow into a baby. In other words, it is actually a separate human being. It doesn't matter where the baby grows as long as it has a woman's body to grow in. This is where you have, this is where things really fall apart with the pro-abortion movement. And this is why it's become pro-choice instead of pro-abortion. It's very disturbing. But here's what's more disturbing. Listen, neither can, neither, the Supreme Court is not going to overrule Roe versus Wade. The contextualists on the uh, Supreme Court believe in precedence and they believe that the precedents support the Constitution, and that's it. So the only one on the Supreme Court who may say no to Roe versus Wade, that may want to overturn Roe versus Wade, is Clarence Thomas, maybe Alito. That's it. Uh, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch will not overturn Roe versus Wade. And of course, the left wingers on there. Um, I can't remember who the older ones are, but uh, Sotomayor and uh, Sotomayor and Kagan—they definitely won't. So it, it, it's not going to happen. So everyone needs to calm down about this. So, but the first thing I, I do want to take a look at the history of these two, and then you kind of make your decisions on it. So let's take a look at Amy Coney Barrett first because she's the front runner. Amy Coney Barrett was born on uh, January twenty-eighth, nineteen seventy-two. Um, that's really depressing because she's younger than I am by four years. Yay her. She's the oldest of seven children. Her father was an attorney and her mother was a homemaker. In 1994, she graduated magna cum laude with a BA in English from Rhodes College. That's my degree. She, you know, great minds think alike, I guess. She received a full scholarship to Notre Dame Law School and was an executive editor of the Notre Dame Law Review. Wow, that's what you do with an English degree. In 1997, she graduated first in her class. Notre Dame is not a crappy law school. That's pretty good. After graduating law school, Barrett received uh, served as a law clerk to Judge Lawrence Siberman and the United States Court of, in the United States Court of Appeals. For the District of Columbia Circuit, that's pretty impressive. That is the highest uh, appellate court, appeals court in the country, uh, on, second only to the Supreme Court. That's impressive. She then spent a year at, as a clerk for Associate Justice Antonin Scalia of the United States Supreme Court. 
During both clerkships, she was the only female law clerk. That's pretty awesome. From 1999 to 2002, she practiced law at Miller, Cassidy, and LaRocca, and Lewin in uh, Washington, D.C. Barrett served as a visiting associate professor and and John M. Olin Fellow in the Law of George Washington University Law School for a year before returning to Notre Dame Law School to teach. In 2002, Barrett returned to uh, uh, taught at um, uh, Notre Dame Law School. She taught constitutional law, federal courts, and statutory interpretation. Barrett was named Professor of Law in 2010, and from 2014 to 2017, she held the Diane and Emma Miller Research Chair of Law. Her scholarship focused on constitutional law, originalism, statutory interpretation, and stare decisis. I don't know what that is. Statutory, basically, she taught people how to read. <laughs> that is what she essentially did. Does it say this? Okay, what does that mean? That's what she basically taught, pe- taught people. While a full-time faculty member at Notre Dame, Barrett was affiliated with, by the way, all this is coming from uh, Wikipedia, so I'm not making this stuff up. While a full-time faculty member at Notre Dame, Barrett was affiliated with Faculty for Life, a pro-life group at the school in 2015. She signed a joint letter to Catholic bishops that affirmed the church's teachings, including the value of human life from conception to natural death, and that family and marriage are founded on a dissoluble commitment of a man and a woman. President Trump nominated Barrett on May 8, 2002. 17 to serve as a United States Circuit Judge of the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. Now, this is where things can get kind of iffy. A hearing on Barrett's nomination before the Senate Judiciary Committee was held on September 6, 2017. During Barrett's confirmation, Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein questioned Barrett about whether her Catholic faith would influence her decision-making on the court because in 1998, (laughs) 20 years earlier, Barrett wrote an article in which she argued the Catholic judges should in some cases recuse themselves from the death penalty cases due to their moral objections to the death penalty. Worried that Barrett would not uphold Roe v. Wade given her Catholic beliefs. Feinstein followed Barrett's response by saying, The dogma lives loudly within you, and that is a concern. You know what's a concern for me? That this woman is being considered to be rejected simply because she's a Catholic, and she believes in Catholicism. And now one of the things I want to show you is the hypocrisy from Feinstein. And Dick Durbin was also another one that gave her a lot of problems. The hypocrisy has to do with the fact that um, she said she would should recuse herself from things when she could not be impartial. So the death penalty, really hard thing for a Catholic. Not this Catholic. I personally believe in the death penalty, and I could argue that. But she said, okay, if it's a death penalty case, maybe I should recuse myself if you're religion got in your way. Now, mind you, she said that. If your religion got in the way. She didn't say her religion would get in the way, and she basically told Feinstein that 
during the hearing. Okay, let's continue. On October 5th, 2017, the Senate Judiciary uh, committee voted 11 to 9 on party lines to recommend Barrett and report her nomination to the full Senate. On October 30th, the Senate invoked cloture by a, a vote of 54-42 and the Senate com- confirmed her on a vote of 55-43 on October 31st. She's married to a, another lawyer named Jesse Barrett. Barnett, excuse me. She has seven kids, five of are her own, and two are adopted from Haiti. Her youngest child has special needs. And if you didn't get this earlier, she's a Roman Catholic. I like her. I do. I do like her. I wanted her over Brett Kavanaugh. I thought when she she was Trump's second candidate, I liked her over Brett Kavanaugh. I think I think Brett Kavanaugh would was a mistake. Um and my feelings are confirmed when Diane Feinstein and Dick Durbin don't like her. I, Diane Feinstein doesn't like someone. That means this is a good person. Good for her. By the way, her religion is really the only attack they can have on her. They And it's not a great attack. As a matter of fact, I look forward to that attack. Because that attack means that they're going to be attacking 90% of the United States. So it is not a democratic selling point to attack her on this stuff. I, I Somehow they'll call her a racist, even though she adopted two black kids from Haiti. That'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, but she's going to be very difficult to, uh, to discredit in uh, hearings. I think the left already knows that. Now let's talk about Barbara Lagoa. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Barbara, again, this is all from Wikipedia. You can look this up. Barbara Lagoa was born on November 2nd, 1967 in Miami, Florida, to Cuban parents. She is the daughter of parents who fled Cuba following the revolution and the assumption of power by Fidel Castro. Oops, this is not going to be something that the Democrats are going to like. Lagoa earned her bachelor's degree Cum Laude in 1989 from the Florida International University, where she majored in English. Damn, I'm an English guy. I I should be on the Supreme Court, for Christ's sake. Except I'm not smart. I'm definitely not Cum Laude. So anyway, well, she, she received her Juris Doctorate from Columbia Law School. Oh, that's where my career ends. There's no way I'd get into Columbia Law School. In 1992, while in Columbia, she was an associate editor for the Columbia Law Review. Freaking English people, they always got to keep writing. In 2000, Lagoa was one of a dozen mostly pro bono lawyers who represented the Miami family of Elian Gonzalez. Now, do you guys remember Elian Gonzalez? You might not. Elian Gonzalez fled Cuba with his mother. I can't remember the year. I think it was, it was during the Clinton administration. And he jumped on a boat with his mom. The mom died. She either drowned or starved or something. And they picked up Elian Gonzalez, who dropped Elian Gonzalez off with his aunt and uncle. Um, there was a big fit thrown by the Cuban, by the Cuban government. The father in Cuba wanted Elian back for some reason. The reason I say for some reason is because he actually left the family and he hadn't seen Elian in years. Elian Gonzalez, uh, this is one of the big screw-ups in the Clinton 
uh, administration. The Attorney General at the time ordered that Elian Gonzalez be taken and sent back to Cuba. Right now, Elian Gonzalez is a poster child for anti-American propaganda. Uh, we don't even know. He actually was in the military school over there. So it was crap. In 2003, she became an assistant United States attorney for the Southern District of Florida, working for the civil major crimes and appellate sections. The goal was appointed to the Third District Court of Appeal by Gover- uh, Appeals by Governor Jeb Bush in 2006 and became chief judge on January 1, 2019. On January 9, 2019, she was appointed to the Supreme Court of Florida by Governor Ron DeSantis. On April 2019, Legault wrote for a unanimous court when it found that Governor DeSantis acted within authority by suspending Scott Sher- uh, Sheriff Scott Israel in response to a Stoneman Douglas High School shooting. That's going to be a big deal. Uh, Stoneman Douglas, Scott Israel, far left. In November 2019, Lagoa participated in oral arguments concerning an advisory opinion on whether the governor would require those felons that voters had re-franchised through 2018 Florida Amendment 4 to pay fines before allowing uh, being allowed to vote. Basically, she really had DeSantis's back here. Um, that's going to come up and bite her on the ass. And this is why I'm reading this now. On September 12, 2019, President Trump announced his intent to nominate Lagoa to a seat on the United States Appeals, uh, Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit. And on October 15, 2019, her nomination was sent to the Senate. She is married to lawyer Paul C. Huck Jr. And her father-in-law is a United States District Judge Paul Huck. Lagoa and her husband have three daughters, including a set of twins. Lagoa is a practicing Roman Catholic, that's going to be bad for Democrats, who cites Catholic education as instilling an abiding faith in God that has grounded me and sustained me through the highs and lows of life. So, these ladies are pretty awesome. There's no question. There are some differences and there are some commonalities. Let's look at them. Amy Comey Barrett and Barbara Lagoa are both Catholics, but Barrett belongs to some rather orthodox Catholic organizations. This could be a problem for her. Now she's belonged for those she's belonged to those organizations for a while, and she was already questioned by the Senate for her appellate court uh, uh, for her appellate court appointment. And she got through it with no problem. But that could be a problem. For Lagoa, her questions about um, criminals being allowed to vote and her question about the Stoneman gunman shooting could be an issue. But neither is going to be enough to get get them both off. Lagoa is a Cuban-American. Barrett is white, but she does have two adopted Haitian kids who are black. Lagoa will reach for the Hispanic community, especially in Florida. That will advantage Trump politically. While Barrett gets props to the black community for adopting kids who were orphans and are black. So I don't think politically either is really going to... 
I don't think politically either is going to have a big impact. I think Lagoa is probably going to have more of an impact than Barrett. Lagoa is far more experienced as a judge, but also has written some controversial opinions that will be questioned um, when she actually has to sit in front of the Senate, and they will be questioned. Barrett, not so much. She was a professor. It's really about her life. Now, do I think any of this makes any difference? Absolutely not. I don't think any of them are criminals. None of them are criminals. They've both been... Uh, they've both been vetted. I, I don't think there's going to be any surprises in either with either of them. Barrett is most likely to overturn Roe versus Wade. Logua is an anti-communist and is likely to vote for, uh, likely to vote against any big government programs that might appear in front of the, in front of the Supreme Court. I think that is important. Uh, I, Roe versus Wade, I really don't believe is going to be overturned. I think it's going to be chipped at if it goes away at all. But the fact that we have an anti-communist judge on the Supreme Court who is from Cuba, or not from Cuba, but has Cuban parents, I think that is more important. And right now, I lean towards Lagoa actually being picked. If Lagoa is picked, I'm going to be happy. If Barrett's picked, I'm going to be happy. But I, right now, I think it's more important we have someone that'll sit there and say, no, we're not going to do this. Barrett, um, both are textualists, which means they read the law, the letter of the law from the Constitution. They are not going to sit back and say gay marriage is legal because it's in the Constitution or abortion is legal because it's in the Constitution because it's not. Um, neither have probably had a, ran a rape ring or is a serial rapist. So there's that. They're both extremely qualified to be on the Supreme Court. Neither should have any issue being confirmed. They will. Right now, they are actually looking at be, it being a 51 to 49 or a 51 to 50 vote. Uh, that's typical now. It's not even a shock anymore. Neither is going to be a big impact on Roe versus Wade. I, I've said that. I've said that multiple times. I wish everyone would believe that. I think both would be fantastic judges. Both are young, and they've got 30 to 40 years in the Supreme Court, which I hate that because I think there should be term limits, but that's a different story. Barbara Lagoa, though, might appear to be the bigger impact because I believe her issue is going to be preventing the expansion of government. She will not allow the United States government to expand beyond the Constitution. Whereas Amy Coney Barrett, I'm not 100% sure that's her main thing. I'd have to hear their, their, um, I'd have to hear their uh, arguments. I really wanted to throw out my, um, um, my Joe Biden gaffe today. I'm going to have to wait till tomorrow because I'm running late. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope this was informative. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can download or listen to this podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Podcast Addict, or YouTube. YouTube is being a little weird, so we're going to have to 
we're going to have, again, I don't know if it's being weird because of the content, because I can't believe I'm that important that they'll start banning me, but apparently I'm having some issues getting up there. Um, you can uh, download or, or you, excuse me, you can actually follow, uh, go to www.dumbassestalkingpolitics to look at my um, notes. Uh, I actually wrote a lot of this. Look at my facts, look at my links, look at my pictures, look at the videos that I have. I hope you enjoyed it. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.